0: Hello listeners, welcome back to the sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa.
1: This is Melissa, and this is CJ, and we already said the name of the podcast, so welcome back. Uh, Should we just get out of the way again for those of you who maybe didn't listen to our last episode? Two things. One, we are now posting on Mondays, so we are no longer posting Thursdays, but Mondays instead. And we're going to PodCon in January. If you want to learn more about that, we're going to put a link to some more information on that in the description of this episode. So check that out if you want to know more.
0: Cool. Cool. So we don't really have any, like... 40-minute intro today, because I think we got that out of our system last recording. But I did want to update all of those very interested listeners about the current state of the baseball tooth, because I know, like, all 250 of you are dying to hear the outcome. Um, well, I have it. I was witness to... The baseball tooth this past Sunday when my teammate came back to support the woo crew. Obviously, she didn't play because her dentist told her she's not allowed to play anymore. <laughs> Um, But she did, she did show up and scream at us in the, the crowds telling us to get our shit together. And she was very animated and in very good spirits. So that's great. But in terms of the tooth, obviously I was like, oh my God, like, let me see the tooth. Like what's going on. And so she showed me and it turns out that she ended up sticking her own tooth back into her gum. I thought that the dentist did it for her but apparently when she had like called the dentist panicking to be like oh my god oh my god my tooth fell out they literally instructed her like on the phone (gasps) shove that bitch up back up in there asap
1: (gasps) i would have passed out
0: and i asked her i was like did that fucking hurt because i saw that horse tooth and they were big old giant like you know the tooth roots that are pokey and i'm like did it I'd imagine that would hurt like hell shoving that back up into like a gum. And she said, not at all. It didn't hurt at all. And so she went, she shoved that sucker back in and she went to the dentist and they have like, they have inserted some type of material that is the same color as a tooth. So you really can't see it unless you're like staring into her mouth, but they, they Inserted a little piece on one side and the other. So it's like wedged in between the two sides of the tooth between the other teeth and it like is holding the tooth in place. And it's like ever or like just... for a long like a while. Wow. While like the gums and the tooth like naturally reconnect and like grow back together.
1: I can't God bless her for showing back up at the game. She didn't even <laughs> take a single week off. And
0: she showed up, like, laughing, giggling, her normal self, like, not even remotely, like... (laughs) And mortified about what happened the week prior, like, acted as if nothing had even happened. She was all stoked to show off her new tooth. Like, it was (laughs) hilarious. What an adaptable woman. God bless her. Yeah. Yeah, she straight didn't give a fuck. Did you tell her that you gave her tooth a shout-out on our podcast? I, I didn't tell her. But I did tell all the girls on my team about the podcast, and they were all super stoked and wanting to, like hear it so uh, it'll be interesting because they probably will start with the most recent episode (laughs) (laughs) and that would be it um but yeah so oh she did say though that the the worst thing that could happen is that she might need a root canal in which it will cost her like like a grand because she doesn't have dental insurance Mm. and i was like okay well listen if that happens the woo crew is gonna walk into the shittiest dive bar in long beach and we are going to ask them to sponsor us so that we can pay off your root canal as a team that's really sweet and so if that happens i'm gonna coordinate that shit on the fly
1: also just for anyone listening including this girl who shall not be named our tooth fairy uh dental insurance is actually really cheap you can get it for like 40 bucks a month so really m- might be worth looking into if it's gonna cost her that much money mm-hmm. it's actually it's really cheap to insure yourself with de- i mean relatively huh. speaking uh-huh it's not like health insurance where you're paying 950 dollars a month or whatever the fuck so
0: yeah practical advice
1: but i like your idea even better <laughs> that sounds way more fun
0: I'm like, oh yay, let's turn this into a drinking party.
1: <laughs> I think even if she gets insurance, you guys should just fucking do that anyway. Make it right? a fundraiser. that's what I said. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that her tooth was not lost forever. No, it's back in action, soaked up like a sponge.
1: Oh, oh god i right. know it's so gross it's so no gross. more no more teeth talk ever again on the history of this podcast <laughs> oh crazy. my
0: god all right so wine review yes please okay so i am okay drinking another bottle from my wine club which i think i'm gonna cancel but why Because I just don't know that, like, I need to be having mass quantities of wine delivered to my apartment. Does that make sense? How often is it? Is it once a month? So, you can get it once a month, uh, but you have, like, the option to skip a month. And so... I fucked up because I didn't read my email that they sent me, so what they do is they'll send you an email, kind of, like, think of it even just, like, those food things, HelloFresh or whatever. They, like, let you know in advance what they're gonna send you, and, like, you have the Mm -hmm. option to be like, nah, I don't wanna fucking, like, eat or drink that, and so you can, like, skip that one and add in a different one or whatever. So I didn't... Read that email. I just like didn't pay attention to it. And so like it, yeah. they, s- they <laughs> sent me, well, I was like down to get the wine, but I missed the part where I was allowed to see what they were going to send me and then I could switch it up. And so they sent me a bunch oh. of shit that I don't want. And oh, so then I was no. like, fuck, which like that's my bad. Like I could have swapped some of that shit out, but I yeah. was a moron and just like didn't read the email. So anyway, i am drinking like one bottle that's my jam but now i have like a bunch of others that aren't my jam so i don't know I, I i i might change my mind but anyway i'm drinking one right now that i really like and it's called outer sounds and it's a marlboro new zealand sauvignon blanc Ooh. 2018 i pretty much love all new zealand wines same um in it. At first, I, at first, it had, like, kind of a tangy flavor, but the more I'm drinking it, I really like it, and the best thing about this wine is it smells good. Ooh. Like, you know when, like, you go in to take a sip, and you just get, like, the greatest aroma? Like, yeah, that's sure. some fire. That's some fire okay. shit. So, it's pretty bomb. It, like, it has, like, kind of, like, a tropical, fruity smell to it. And the flavor is similar, um, but it's pretty good. Like, this is the type of shit I could slam in one night.
1: Sweet.
0: Yeah. Can I see the, can I see the label? Yeah. Which are
1: listeners at home. Oh, cute. Yeah. Can't, we're them. always like, oh, cute
0: labels. they like it.
1: All right. <laughs> and so. no one
0: can ever see. It's like, um, it's kind of like a modern label, and it, it appears that, like, the background is basically a lake with, surrounded by like snow-covered mountains Mm -hmm. um which i i does new zealand snow probably not
1: Mm -hmm. i know that only because i've been watching lord of the rings for a week and it was filmed in new zealand and there's snow really
0: (laughs) yes
1: (laughs) it does yeah they have they have like a huge they have many different types of ecosystems there it's really cool so i hear Mm -hmm. i haven't been but it's supposed to be amazing
0: woohoo new zealand New Zealand.
1: I think there was at least one download New Zealand at one point. I did see that in our stats. Yeah. So. No,
0: we've had a couple.
1: Yeah. Hey, guys. Hey, y'all. We love your <laughs> accent and your wine. Uh. We should go there. That can be our next big podcast trip: is New Zealand <laughs> straight from
0: Seattle to New Zealand.
1: Just really Fuck. leveling up. Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, we can go like whitewater rapiding. I think they do like a lot of skydiving out there. <laughs> Wait, jumping. did you just
1: say whitewater rapiding?
0: Yeah, is that not how you say it?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Is
0: the rapiding a word? <laughs> I think it's rafting. <laughs> no, like the white r- water is rapids. It? Yeah. Okay white water rapiding that's really hard for me to say white water i think rapiding. it's i think that it's actually not an action it should have just been like we should go to the white water rapids i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about i'm actually really
1: scared to go white water rafting like i that actually genuinely scares me people get yeah, hurt
0: I, I know i'd be fucking terrified i also will never bungee jump or jump out of a plane so scratch all the ideas for new zealand I, we'll just go and drink wine
1: I will, I like that idea. I think that's great. That's way safer. I would maybe, (laughs) that's kind of a lie. I would maybe bungee jump over a river that was deep enough to not kill me if I fell in it, which probably isn't how it works, but I wouldn't just like bungee jump at the fair. You know what I mean? How people do that. (laughs) They just bungee jump over this slab of concrete. I'm like, cool, have fun dying. What are you doing? And, like, everyone who works at amusement parks is, like, 16 years old and high out of their mind. I'm sorry. I would never, ever, (laughs) ever do that.
0: Well, you know what even scares me more is, like, if, say, you were to jump off a bridge and, like, there's open space under you, what if you, like, jumped and like Mm -hmm. instead of like reaching full extension and bouncing back up what if you just like swung to the other side and your body was like (laughs) slapped into the bottom of the bridge (laughs) 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 like what if you were flying across the other side and like hit something like i think that's even more possible I don't I did a really bad job in physics class so I feel
1: like I can't advise on whether that's even possible but I don't think it is unless there was like a really strong wind that like blew you to the other side of the bridge and then you just wrapped around it endlessly
0: it's like a Looney Tune scene
1: <laughs> well scratch that so we'll uh we'll drink great yeah let's just drink and eat cheese (laughs) we'll just drink and go to the snow perfect new zealand okay uh i'm not drinking today because i went way too hard this weekend and i'm giving my body a much-needed break so as always i'm drinking iced coffee at like 10 o'clock at night and i wonder why i have insomnia so that's my my coffee (laughs) review (laughs) the end (laughs) Really exciting this week. Uh, Alright. It's okay. That's that's all for me.
0: Okay. Well, should we top in then? Do we have anything I else to cover? I think okay. we should hop in. Well, it's I just you. need to give a disclaimer. Oh god, what is that? It? my story and woman this week is dark. Ooh. And like And I don't mean dark by like haunted and spooky. Like it's a little bit fucked up i just put my hood on i don't know why <laughs> not, you, <laughs> you needed to get in the mood <laughs> i'm like settling it and yes okay and and so i just want to say something on the topic before i begin i i would say f- that for the most part most of our women have had like a pretty uplifting either ending or like maybe they've done some fucked up shit or whatever but like we haven't really had anything too dark and a little depressing and unfortunately i bring that to the table today so if any listeners are like fuck this shit i am not in the mood for dark and depressing feel free to fast forward to cj's part although i have no idea who she's covering so i can't say it it'll be any better but on that note You know, the whole point of this podcast is to talk about women that deserve recognition. That doesn't always mean that they're going to have some big, bright, cheery story to tell, but they still deserve the recognition for the cause that they stood for and for what they represent. And this is a woman that I'm pretty sure nobody really knows unless you're like a history guru. Um, And so I want to cover her. And great. I'm 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 sorry if it's a little bit darker than the podcast typically, you know, gets.
1: I think it's gonna be great. I'm okay. excited. I'm ready.
0: All right. So today I am covering a woman whose name is Nellie Sachs and she is a Nazi Germany survivor who went on to win the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1966, and whose experience during the rise of the Nazis in World War II Europe transformed her into a spokesperson for the grief and yearnings of her fellow Jewish people. (sighs) So there you go. That's it. No. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. All right. All right. (laughs) So Nellie was born in a fashionable area in Berlin, Germany in 1891 to a Jewish family. She was the daughter of a wealthy rubber manufacturer and she was educated at home with her parents due to poor health as a child um during her teenage years she began showing early signs of talent as like a dancer she studied music and she began writing poetry and so she automatically at a young age kind of already was developing those passions for the arts um and also as a young girl she became fascinated with a Swedish writer whose name was Selma Lagerlof. And she would eventually end up sending correspondence to her on a regular basis by letter. And they like built this camaraderie and this friendship long distance. Because um, she kind of thought of her as like an inspiration into the writing world, used her as a mentor. And they just kind of developed this like strange long der- term, not long term, long distance friendship. Um, and really, really cool the coolest thing about this entire connection is that Selma would ultimately end up saving Nellie's life down the line but we will get to that later so as a young woman Nellie published a few poems in German magazines and she also wrote lyrical poetry about her life experiences the most famous being an intensely lyrical piece influenced by german romanticism much of which concerned an unhappy love affair she suffered in her teens with a non-jewish man who would eventually be killed in a concentration camp i couldn't find any more information on him other than that fact um but after she learned of his death she basically ended up writing like so many love lyrics as it, like you know to kind of heal i guess during the grieving and they all you know centered on his death and you know more specifically the holocaust as a whole so as the nazis took power nelly became increasingly terrified and at one point completely lost the ability to speak and didn't who else did that That, so we never aired this
1: episode, but that happened to Maya Angelou.
0: Okay, that's what I thought. When she was
1: young. Yeah, she didn't speak for like four or five years or something after something traumatic happened to her. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the Mm -hmm. same thing happened to Nellie. And when I was reading it, it like clicked and I was like, holy shit, somebody else we've covered has had the same thing happen to them. Yeah. How fucking crazy is that?
1: That's nuts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I it's
1: insane. Really intense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So she lost the ability to speak and later in life she described this experience in one of her poetry verses quoting when the great terror came I fell dumb. Mm. Which is like it must be just like a shock, like a res- like a response, like a shock response to trauma where you yeah. just like shut down.
1: You know what it makes me think of and I don't mean to like make fun of her or anything but it makes me think of the original jumanji movie where there's kirsten Dunn's little brother and their parents had died and so he doesn't talk because he's really like i like can't yeah. remember
0: that at all uh-huh uh-huh
1: yeah so that was i don't know that always makes me think of that
0: hmm uh, well they were on to something yeah it's a thing <laughs> jumanji did their research <laughs> <They fucking> did. <laughs> great work guys great i know great film so um that brings us back to her old friend selma Lagerlöf. uh their their friendship went on for several several years and you know this right as the nazis were coming to power and nelly had already lost her childhood boyfriend in a concentration camp like shit was getting like out of fucking control like it was popping off like it was happening and her friend selma who lived in sweden she was much older than nelly and before selma died in 1940 which is like right around right now the time period that we're discussing she convinced the swedish royal family to help nelly and her mother escape germany to stockholm the swedish royal family was convinced and they helped nelly and her mother board the last flight from nazi germany to sweden a week before they were scheduled to report to a concentration camp
1: so how did she have that influence over the freaking royal
0: family she was a big deal okay um and i was gonna mention this at the end as a last fun fact but just to put more weight on how she had so much power. She Selma Lagerlof ended up becoming the first woman to win the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1909. Oh, so shit. she okay. was like huge huge business in Sweden in terms of her writing skills. For sure. Okay. So um and that's wow, why she was such an inspiration.
1: Out. Yeah. Yeah,
0: damn. Just like buy a hair
1: yeah that's nuts i know so did you say it was her and her mom did they heard was her dad not with
0: them her dad ended up dying in 1930 and i have no idea how okay it's like it doesn't exist on the internet for sure but it was confirmed that he had passed away i don't believe it was due to the holocaust right so (laughs) it was just her and her mother at that time period um and so her and her mom boarded that plane and took off to Stockholm, and basically the remainder of Nellie's immediate family became victims of the Holocaust. Mm. Like, it was just a two-seat flight to Sweden, and it was kind of like a sayonara. Yeah, for sure. So that was really yeah. fucked up um and so once they got to stockholm nelly and her mother lived in a tiny two-room apartment and nelly cared for her mother for many years and supported both of their existence by translating poetry from german to sweden and then swedish to german and that's how she made their living And the two ended up becoming citizens in Sweden in 1952. Uh, During this time, Nellie began like really diving deep into her poetry. And then she began writing plays, which were inspired by family members who had lost their lives in the concentration camps. She combined a poetry style from like ancient religious texts with modern language and she used a shitload of metaphors her poems were written to focus on jewish beliefs but they were strongly like colored by the nazi persecution of jews with the horrors of the death camps as its ultimate expression so they were dark as shit um really deep really dark Her first volume of poetry was called In the Houses of Death, and that was published in 1947, and it created a vision of the suffering of her time, particularly that of Jews. Her other collections were called Eclipse of Stars, No One Knows Where to Go, and Flight and Metamorphosis which all three of those reinforce the cycle of suffering persecution exile and the death of the jewish people while Mm. metaphorically noting a man's bitterness but never hopelessness so she would she would describe and express like the real terror that occurred but she also always had this like theme and this metaphor of like there is hope in the long run so she Mm. kind of would like have a little hint of positivity wherever she could wherever she could stick it in Mm -hmm. um and despite like the pain in all of her work her best known play from 1951 is called eli a mystery play of the sufferings of israel and it does touch on themes of forgiveness and renewal and that play was broadcast in west germany as a radio play and it's been widely acclaimed so they were like bumping that shit in germany (laughs) like here you go that was on in the club yeah and she that's like one of her most famous um plays that she wrote and then her other famous piece of work is called oh the chimneys um which is sort of like a metaphor of israel's body drifting upwards as smoke from the nazi death camps oh wow yeah so shit was fucked up um but overall like people historians and like literature gurus they consider all of her work to be a combination of mourning and memory um and i think it was something that like people weren't expressing through art during that time like it i mean life couldn't have been worse it couldn't have been more fucked up and i think the one thing people weren't doing was writing plays and poetry about it i think they were like mourning in like whatever way they were but she was doing it in like a constructive way and like publishing this shit and being like here you go this is the reality this is it i'm i'm putting it out there Mm -hmm. um and people appreciated it but unfortunately her mother ended up dying which is not to be surprised she was an older lady at this point point. and nelly suffered like several nervous breakdowns Aww. after her mother died um all of which kind of were characterized by hallucinations paranoia delusions all surrounding like persecution by nazis and she ended up spending a number of years in a mental institution Aww. so she was like really fucked up um and for whatever reason i know i i would have been thinking about it all day like i i wonder why this happened after her mom died and like the only thing i can think of is that because she had no other family around all of them Mm -hmm. you know died in the holocaust her mother was like the last person that you know escaped with her and then with her gone Mm -hmm. it's like there's no one like i'm the last standing person that didn't get you know that didn't ended up surviving and so i think it like put her into a really really bad mental space Mm -hmm. um but even when she was hospitalized she continued to write and she eventually recovered and ended up living on her own even though her mental health would always be a fragile state her worst breakdown occurred when she heard german being spoken at a trip to switzerland where she was accepting a literary prize what happened she had like a complete like panic attack like she went to switzerland to go accept a prize for her writing and like heard Mm. people speaking in german and it just snapped just like instant fear
1: yeah just PTSD Um, oh no yeah
0: totally horrible PTSD um but she ended up like for the most part she maintained a really forgiving attitude especially towards younger generations of Germans and she did correspond with many German speaking writers of the post-war period so she didn't have any type of like forever grudge against Germany I -hmm. think she was just very wounded and like you said, PTSD. Um, but she didn't she tried not to let that affect any of her current relationships with German people. Um, and so in nineteen sixty one, Nellie became the inaugural winner of the Nellie Sachs Prize, which was a literary prize awarded by the German city of Dortmund that was named in her honor. And I believe this is where she went. Well, I don't know if this is where she had her panic attack, but I think it was um she also accepted the peace prize of the german book trade in 1965 um which was obviously from the country of which she fled and when she accepted that award she said out loud like publicly in front of all people quote in spite of all the horrors of the past i do believe in you Hmm. which is interesting and Mm -hmm. then a year later in 1966 she won the nobel prize on her 75th birthday when she accepted that award she told the audience quote i represent the tragedy of the jewish people um, and then Nellie died on May 12, 1970, from intestinal cancer. And after her death, all of her possess- uh, possessions were donated to the National Library of Sweden. A uh, memorial plaque commemorates her birthplace in Berlin, where there is also a park named after her. And another park on the island of Kungsholmen in Stockholm home also bears her name and on the 127th anniversary of her birthday this year in 2018 she was commemorated with a google doodle in parts of europe and the u.s um and that's it god bless her Nelly. i know
1: Nelly girl it
0: was pretty fucked up
1: yeah it's terrible
0: yeah but i, I feel kind of like don't she, have
1: anything to say except like god bless her and fuck
0: you know i mean i think like the biggest thing to say is that like i mean she experienced something that you and i could never even comprehend and she used that to empower herself She used that Mm -hmm. to write about it, to write about her experiences, to write about her friends' and family's experiences, to shed light on, like, what was happening to her people and why it was happening. And, you know, she vocalized it all when I think that, like, that was really out of the norm. I think it was very strange for somebody to be like, I'm going to write a play about the Holocaust. Like, I just don't know that that was super common, and I feel like her doing that was, one, part of her healing process, but, two, feeling like she had a job, and that was to speak for the people that whose lives were taken tragically. Like, yeah. to speak for an entire group of people who were robbed of life in the most unjust way. She, for whatever reason, was lucky enough to escape that fate, and I feel like she made it her life's mission to never, you know, stay silent about it. And because of that, she won a fuckload of awards. Yeah. And, like, even from the German people, which I think is also really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that she has a plaque in Berlin yeah. for, like, like the country that she literally fled from in order to not die. Like, yeah. they are now celebrating her. Like, I, I think that's wild. Um, it's so also... I,
1: it's nuts to me anytime anything from the Holocaust comes up when I realize how fresh it is. You know, I feel like we, we weren't alive for it, but there are people alive who today who live through that, who were alive for it. And I remember when my mom... So I'm not Jewish, but my like most people our age, my grandfather fought in World War II. And when my grandmother on my dad's side met my mom, who has a German last name, she said, oh, so you're German. And gave her, like, the look of death. And this was in the late 80s. Because there was still, like, that much animosity for the Germans even back then. Even in America, where we didn't have to live through all their bullshit. So... I'm half German, obviously. My mom's German. So I'm not shitting on German people. But... um, It was, like, it's that fresh. It's that recent, you know? That, like, when my grandmother met my mom, she was like, oh, fucking Germans. And I think, too, like, it's really important, obviously always but maybe even now more than ever that we remember this shit
0: yeah yeah i mean i don't yeah i I don't know what else to say i think it's something Mm -hmm. that shouldn't be forgotten and i think that was nelly's that was nelly's mission was to make sure it's not forgotten and again just like how when we're talking about gerda tarot um these are women that during this time period that are being still celebrated in 2018 like this woman would have been what What did i say 120 she would have been 127 mm-hmm. like recently mm-hmm. so it's just it's insane was, that you know we are keeping them alive in in today's generation
1: yeah i definitely was thinking about gerda when you were talking about nelly i was like oh my yeah. god that's like the, your second how weird they have so much overlap in their stories
0: i know they yeah, kind of do it's kind of cool
1: both extremely brave and she was nelly was so sensitive can you imagine being just that soft and open and artistic of a spirit and living through that and being able to transmute that into something artistic and poetic like uh
0: uh nelly girl well, the other thing um even though her poems were really dark obviously she used so many metaphors that when you're reading them, you, like, it's not, like, she, like, talks about butterflies, she talks about the cosmic, like, she uses a lot of uplifting metaphors to describe people in her stories, to describe places, so it's not just, like, this extremely, like, every word in the poem is dark gray and depressing she like intentionally tries to bring sparkle to it through her metaphors and i think that's why she's um you know so celebrated in that literary world is that she was creating written art that told a horrible story but it was like in her in her way in her special Mm -hmm. artistic way yeah so yeah i don't know it's she's interesting and i'd never heard of her until a couple weeks ago i read something about her online and i'm i just felt like she should be talked about on the podcast
1: yeah i know as
0: dark and as depressing as it is well
1: and that's why well not because it's dark and depressing but that's what i love about this podcast too is that we cover people that people might know but we also cover the, like these are the women for us to cover you know they're well known yeah. enough that they have a wikipedia page but we might not know them in the common media you know so i'm glad you
0: covered her me too um i don't know that you'll be able to guess her zodiac sign so i
1: know what i think she is but i also know what she is because i also saw the google doodle you little dick And I clicked on it, and I was like, maybe I should cover her. And then I saw, I was like, well, it's kind of, like, dark. I don't want to do this right now. <laughs> so, uh, misted by a hair. Um, I would have guessed she was a Pisces or a Cancer. Those
0: would have been I my think guesses. those are great guesses. Uh, but she's a Sagittarius. She is a Sagittarius. Her birthday was two days ago, December 10th.
1: Yeah, I would have never, ever guessed Sagittarius based on her story. Never. In a million
0: years. I would have never, 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 ever. We would have to have really evaluated the rest of her chart, which I guarantee doesn't exist on the internet. So,
1: <laughs> that we cannot find. <laughs> definitely would have gone with Pisces. Definitely would have gone with Pisces.
0: I think we can chalk it up as she's definitely a rising or moon in Pisces. Okay. I
1: like that. that
0: okay. Sense. Okay. Well, sorry to anybody that struggled through that, but it's well, my podcast not- i do what i want <laughs>
1: <laughs> well ours have some strange overlap uh stay tuned <laughs> what is that from what show um about? ghostbusters <laughs> no that's not i'm thinking of What's that one? It was like that mystery show, not America's Most Wanted, the one where they disappear, like vanish without a trace. Oh my god! Oh. Okay. No idea. I'm gonna fi- I'm gonna figure it out. You guys, email us. Mosta Sisterhood. You guys never email us, so I don't know why I'm saying this. But if you know what I'm talking about, Mosta Sisterhood Gmail account. Unsolved mysteries. Oh, would have never got that. Like, I have no fucking clue what you're
0: talking about. I literally haven't had TV in, like, four years. I can only watch Netflix series.
1: Oh, no. Unsolved Mysteries is from, like, the 80s. This
0: is, like, back oh.
1: in the day. Yeah. That's okay. That's fine. Speaking of Unsolved Mysteries. So, I'm going to cover a woman today who was first introduced to me by my grandmother, Helen, when I was probably 11 or 12. She gave me a book that this woman had written. So I'm also covering an author of sorts today. Uh, And my grandma was like, here, read this. I think you're going to like this. I read it in one day. And luckily, she had an entire bookshelf of books by this woman and therefore passed down her love of her work to me and to the next generation. And I'm going to introduce her to you. Her name was Dame Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie was an English novelist known for her mystery and detective novels, and she is also the best-selling author of all time, with anywhere from 2 to 4 billion copies of her books having been sold worldwide.
0: Okay, her first name is Dame? No, that's like
1: the female version of a knight. So it's her title, because she's British. So her name is Agatha Christie.
0: Well, yeah, I didn't know where the Dame came from.
1: Yeah, it's like instead of Sir Ian McKellen or whatever, it's Dame Agatha Christie. Uh huh. Yeah, it's the lady version.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm gonna use that online for myself. Yes. So her
1: name is Agatha Christie, but I
0: she's a fucking dame, so I call her Dame.
1: Uh, I, however, she had a huge career, but I, for this story, want to focus on the international media sensation that ensued when she disappeared in 1926 yes I'm blaing stay tuned so as just as a matter of background Agatha Christie was born in 1890 in England raised in an upper middle class family she starts her writing career in 1910 at the age of 20 and at the age of 24 she marries a man named Archibald Christie, who's just a real fucking flower. Just real lovely. Uh, Her first novel is published in 1920, and it stars what comes to be known as her most beloved and famous character, which was a Belgian detective named Hercule Poirot. There have been multiple TV series about him, multiple movies about him. He's like her all-time most famous character. Appears in her first novel that was published after she spent nearly 10 years trying to get a book published. So for you creators out there, including you and me, Melissa. Oh, God. Hang in there. This shit takes a long time. <laughs> it takes a while. It's the oh, girl, shit. a whole 10 years.
0: So sorry to interrupt, but I forgot what? two very important facts about Nellie. What? Go. She, her poetry career didn't even kickstart until after she was 50 years old oh what yeah okay okay and she was never married and never had children what up nelly those are
1: both very important facts thank you (laughs) sorry Uh, it's okay no i'm really happy about both of those i think i'm happy that she never got married and had kids as long as that's what she's what she wanted okay uh yeah so in 1920 she's 30 years old so she's 30 when her first novel gets published after 10 years of hustling trying to get it out there dang over the next, late to the game no it's fine listen <laughs> over the next six years that was just her first book okay we have time plus this is the 1920s people die at the age of 12 so you had to like hurry up uh over the next six years so as she's getting into her late 30s She publishes an additional five novels. She becomes a big success. She's a household name, not only in England, but also abroad. Killing it, moving up in the world, creative career popping. Personal life, not looking so good. Uh, It starts in April 1926 when Agatha Christie's mother sadly passes away. And she gets the news of her mother's death while her husband is out of town on a business trip, which already fucking sucks he comes home from this business trip to see his wife that he has not seen since her mother died tells her that he's fallen in love with another woman named nancy neal and that he's having an affair with her oh and like did your mom die sorry <laughs> sorry about it real just seems fucking winner seems pretty accurate
0: right great <laughs> legit bro truly though
1: great great shit
0: sorry Uh, i like accidentally ran off with another woman also just like can you you couldn't wait like a week
1: you couldn't fucking wait to break the news like seriously bro all right whatever dude so they they stayed together for a few months even while he's actively seeing this other woman because they have a six or seven year old daughter divorce is not super trendy yet so they try to stay together for the kids kind of shit until december 3rd 1926 <laughs> it's a little after nine thirty p.m Agatha sitting in her parlor in her armchair. She gets up. She walks upstairs, kisses her daughter goodnight, walks back downstairs, goes outside, gets in her car, and drives off. She does not return that night. The following day, her car is found abandoned in a roadside ditch, and people fucking lose their shit. Agatha Christie was a huge fucking deal. This was the 1920s. Celebrities weren't a thing yet. Authors were kind of cool. Sparks a massive manhunt. Over 1,000 police officers, 15,000 volunteers, and multiple aeroplanes, not airplanes, because they were still called aeroplanes, are deployed in the search for Agatha Christie. And I don't know. There was an article I read. I don't know if they meant in England or in the whole world. But at least in the nation of England, hers was the first missing persons case where they used airplanes to canvas the area. So they were, like, pulling out all the stops. It's a huge deal. International media outlets are all over it. Her name and her picture on the front page of the New York Times, like, big deal. People start speculating all kinds of things. Some people think she killed herself, like, lost her mind because her husband was cheating on her. Some people think that it's just a publicity stunt, like, she's a mystery crime writer. Maybe she's releasing a new book, and she's trying to get people interested, And then some people think that her cheating-ass husband had her killed because why is her road or why is her car found on the side of the road? Interesting details. Uh, It becomes such a massive manhunt. The police can't find her anywhere. They actually hire crime writer Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who we all know as the author of Sherlock, to help them find her, and he hires a medium to try to like meditate on this glove of agatha christie's to see if she can locate her and it's not successful so everybody's just beside themselves after 11 days agatha is spotted alive and well by a musician at a hotel in harrogate england the name of the hotel was the swan hydro hotel it is now called the old swan hotel and i've been there and i've taken pictures outside of that hotel just because I knew she had stayed there. Because I'm a fucking nerd. Uh, First of
0: all, I didn't know you've ever been to England.
1: Yeah, i actually a family in Harrogate, which is the same town that hotel is in. Fuck.
0: Mm-hmm. Why haven't we gone to England yet? We have a free place to I stay? Would,
1: I haven't been there yet. The only time I went was when I was 17. Oh. I haven't been there since. <laughs> we should go. Let's go right after New Zealand. Right after Seattle. <laughs> we'll just go from one to the other because we're rich as fuck. Um... So, this dude calls the police. He's like, hey, I found your girl. The police come. She says she has absolutely no memory of how she got there, no memory of what had happened over the last 11 days, nor any memory of who her husband even was. She had checked into the hotel under the name of Teresa Neal, spelled N-E-E-L-E, which is the exact same spelling as her husband's mistress's last name and the entire 11 days when the whole nation and world was losing their mind looking for her, she was at the spa. She had been attending several balls and several dances and had just basically been getting her life. And in fact, when her husband comes to retrieve her from the Swan Hotel, she makes him wait in the lobby while she changes into an evening gown. Oh my God. So they found Agatha. Agatha (laughs) never... (laughs) So they found her. (laughs) All's well, y'all. Uh, she never ever ever speaks publicly about her missing 11 days and her husband Dick Cheese McGivers and the police come public and basically say she just had a random bout of amnesia so some people have speculated that she crashed her car hit her head and basically just like blacked out for 11 days some people think that she had some kind of psychotic break and just basically went to a fugue state and kind of blacked out and other people like me think that she was just getting revenge on her husband for being a piece of fucking shit.
0: Oh yeah. The whole the whole thing sounds so staged.
1: And it's genius. People, right. Well, and the fact Dude. that she checked in with the mistress's last yeah. name. Yeah. Like, bitch, you weren't blackout. Oh, <laughs> you knew God. exactly what you were doing.
0: I, you know what? Going missing and like you know I'm just logging that one for the future. That's all I have to say. Bro, I thought you would like it. I really did.
1: <laughs> well, some people some people even think and I think this is probably true that she wanted people to think her husband had killed her. I mean, why else was her car I mean, clearly she abandoned her car in a ditch on the side of the road for a reason. I don't think she crashed that car. I think she's a detective and mystery writer. And she was like, I'm going to write my own fucking mystery and fuck this guy.
0: And that's what she did while she was going to balls at the spa. I'm going to create a real life mystery for my husband. Enjoy it, bitch. (laughs) Uh, So that's the story of her disappearance and
1: reappearance. She, thank God divorces that asshole about a year later in 1928 very quickly in 1930 she marries her second husband he was a famous archaeologist named max malawan malawan how would malawan that's probably how the british people would say it max malawan uh he's 13 years younger than her they're super happy together and they stay together until she dies at the age of 81 so all's well that ends well in the dick department for agatha christie but she didn't meet him until she was 40 i'm just saying if i never fucking know man uh just to wrap up seven uh-huh yeah she was out there getting it (laughs) Mm -hmm. well he's an archaeologist so he likes old things so
0: oh Oh my god that's amazing You you know what if i was old and trying to get some young d i would i would shoot for it too yeah
1: And they stayed together until she died, you know? They were happy. That's great. It wasn't even just a fling. It wasn't even just a Demi Ashton kind of thing. It was real. Yeah. It lasted. Uh, Quickly to wrap up, these are just highlights of her insane career. But I feel like I need to name some of them. So as I said, she's the best-selling author of all time. She goes on to publish a total of 66 detective novels, seven romance novels, and 14 short story collections across her career. She is the second most widely published author of all time, second only to William Shakespeare. She is, to this day, the world's most translated author, with her works being available in over 100 languages, which also made me realize I don't know how many languages there are, because that's a lot. her best-selling book, "Then And Then There Were None, sold over 100 million copies, is the world's best-selling mystery novel, and is one of the world's best-selling books of all time. She also wrote a murder mystery play called Mousetrap, which holds the world record for being the longest-running play. It's been running at a theater in London's West End since 1952 nonstop, and has clocked over 27,000 shows. And lastly, her books have been made into multiple successes, Full million dollar grossing tv series miniseries and films and that is the the story of agatha christie's revenge i love it mm-hmm. it's a good it's so story good. It was. A
0: really i thought good you would, i thought you
1: would. i kind of i thought you would like her story because her revenge and also i realized i was encroaching into your territory because there was a
0: fuck boy in her story i fuck was like yeah. oh, shit. <laughs> i definitely resonate with revenge Oh, oh really? <laughs> I I don't know. I don't have anything else to speak to on the topic, but okay. I, I can appreciate a solid female revenge story. Well, that's a good transition. What do you think her sign is? I have three guesses. Okay, go. And in no particular order, because I I'm not. I don't think one's more than the other. I just across the board here i'm gonna say all three and then you just tell me if i'm correct on any of them scorpio sagittarius or aries
1: scorpio is a really good guess but is not correct sagittarius or aries yeah no and no
0: fuck
1: it is a little bit hard but it's ironically not hard at the same time and that's all i can say It
0: seems like, like, I, if anything, I was leaning more towards Sag or Aries, because I just feel like, I, I just feel like Aries do shady-ass shit, but I also feel like Sagittarius is, like, like, feel justified to do shady-ass shit, because they Mm. do what they want, and no one can tell them otherwise. True, true. Um, Aries do shady-ass shit because they like to be vindictive. Truth. Uh... (laughs)
1: She is not a fire sign. Well,
0: oh, so I would have I can never guess Leo. Uh,
1: yeah. Um. Although she did make her husband wait while she put on a ball gown, which is maybe just true. a tiny it's bit.
0: Like super <laughs> Leo. I feel like you're
1: not gonna guess it.
0: Wait, hold on. Let me think. Um. Uh, Gemini. She's a Virgo. No!
1: (laughs) Yes! That's why I was like, it's not obvious, but just how much you related to her revenge. I was like, what?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Trying to, like, wink at you. I'm like, I can't see you. It's been poor connection for 10 minutes. I'm staring at a blank screen. (laughs) Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, she,
1: uh, September 15th. Well, so, she's an author, which I feel makes sense for Virgo. Even though that wasn't the emphasis of the story. I also think two things. One, the fact that you related to her, the way she dealt with her anger. And two, the fact that she used that mistress last name, I think is such a Virgo way to be catty like those oh, small yeah. little details like I'm your motherfucking mistress's last name bitch like you know that i feel like that is actually very virgo
0: yes it is i've done yeah. something similar like that before <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i definitely think i did not look at the rest
1: of her chart i definitely think she's got to have some fire in there or something because that was well, so dramatic it has
0: to be yeah yeah because yeah. that's like kind of how i am i have like that fire moon in me Mm -hmm. which i think even fuels my virgo anger side even more Mm -hmm. um that's hilarious because yeah you're right i i definitely can relate to most things she did
1: (laughs) i also the other sign that i maybe would have guessed was cancer just because she literally ran away and retreated and kind of Puffed and puffed and threw a fit and a international media sensation to get back at her scorned lover yeah so. that's the
0: only difference of that like kind of makes me think it's not a virgo is that i feel mm-hmm. like i feel like that whole international media thing isn't virgo mm-hmm. i feel like they're more like sly and under the table about their their shit like they like you can calculate and plan concoct all these you know revenge things but it's usually not publicized yeah but i don't know i wonder too since she never talked about it we'll never know
1: if she knew that was gonna happen or if she if it kind of just spiraled out of control and she was like oh shit
0: <laughs> well <laughs> i don't yeah. know but props to fucking her i think it's amazing <laughs> right. uh that and that's just so a great amazing
1: That is just one... I mean, her... When I was reading up on her, I couldn't cover her whole life. I had to choose one story. And there are other stories that are crazy, too. But this was the one I chose. Like, one time that... um mi5 or whatever the british version of the fbi is they were investigating her based on one of her novels because they thought she had inside knowledge like she's just got all kinds of interesting stuff in her story so agatha christie super cool and if you're into mystery novels they're really great they're super short they're like perfect for a plane ride they're like 150 small pages you just read them on like a three hour flight they're the best
0: how fun i wonder they probably are on like um Kindle, right? like you 100%. Them maybe? Yeah. I'm trying to bring back my Kindle. I have one from like a billion years ago. Like, they don't even sell my version anymore. And I'm like, why am I not using this? Yeah. Get on it, girl. Maybe I can Kindle some Agatha.
1: She's great. They're good. They're good. uh Yeah. That's Agatha, the, the vindictive Virgo. I love it. Week. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. The vindictive I thought Virgo. You, I thought you would like her. I thought of you many times yeah so we had we both had authors which is interesting have we talked about writers before
0: um we had to have talked about writers right i mean (laughs) that's insane if we haven't i don't know i don't
1: know it's getting to the point now where we've covered enough women that i don't remember them all
0: i know it sucks we need to have like a table of contents (laughs)
1: okay well i guess that's it uh subscribe tell your friends check out our gofundme in the description box fly to seattle to come visit us at podcon and uh if you're from new zealand send us some wine
0: wait you don't have any women of the week
1: no (laughs) not this week
0: (laughs) do you of course not (laughs)
1: why'd you even bring it up
0: i know uh, i just wanted to make sure i, I was like i wonder so. if i can like think of anything but you know it's been a quiet week
1: it's we're an hour and four minutes in like i think it's we don't yeah. need to drag it out we yeah. it's a good episode we killed okay. it okay cool all right well until next time little mo says we'll see little you
0: later mo says. little
1: mo i love says. it all right adios bitches bye bye